Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoiseshack podcast. This is the conversation I had about a week ago with crime correspondent and now author of a great new book called Black Light, a crime novel by Mick or Michael O'Toole. Apologies, I, 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 we do know him as Mick the Hack. We also discuss what's happening in the Special Criminal Court in relation to Jerry Hutch, Jonathan Dowdle and the Kinahan Cartel. If you're listening to this and you enjoy what we do, please help us. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's once a month and it keeps these mics on and the conversations going. And for that, you get lots of additional content and a podcast as quickly as we turn them around. This week alone, you've missed out on brilliant conversations with Senator Lynn Boylan in terms of animal welfare. Uh, and some heartbreaking stories of people having to surrender pets because of the housing crisis. We talked to Professor Anthony Staines about flu season, COVID waves, and healthcare inequality. Really great to talk to Anthony again. And we also had a chat with uh, Sharon, who is now a few months living in her car. Um, and when you see that weather outside, folks, it's really depressing that in 2022, this is the, this is where we are. Um, all of those are available in one place, patreon.com forward slash tortoise plea free, none of these inserts, get them as quickly as we can turn them around. So please click the link. It's in the podcast you're listening to right now. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the pod. Hello and welcome to Echo Chamber Podcast. And I'm starting to feel like this is a book review show, folks. <laughs> not I I know I know we don't generally do many book reviews but you know this was uh, this is this is one conversation that I've been waiting to have for a little while because I've known this book was coming uh, and other than say Rory's book that I happened to um, get a mention in I didn't get a mention in this one so that was kind of disappointing um and it's not always all about me but it, it generally is anyway Enough of the really, really cheesy intro. I'm delighted to be rejoined on the podcast by uh, crime correspondent with, with the star, Michael O'Toole. Mick, um, it's good to see you. And you have, you've got your first fictional, a crime novel, as you put it, Blacklight Out. First of all, how how are you feeling? How has it been received? It, it's received very well, Tony. I, I, I made a wee joke that I was accused of writing fiction so much that I thought I better do it for real. Uh, yeah. But it's actually very difficult. It's the most difficult thing I've ever done in writing. Um, so it, it took me a long time. It took me about realistically five years to get it done and dusted. Now, lots of things get in the way, but um, yeah, look, people who've read it are very, you know, I, mm. I, I, you know, I, people, people like, I liked it when I finished it, when I, when I eventually got it finished and I sat down and read it, I went, geez, this is good. Right? Because there were various uh, versions of the book that I wrote earlier mm. and they were very, very, very bad. They were, up, they were the opposite of good. So I had to learn the the craft of writing fiction, which is completely different from writing journalism. And yeah. I didn't realize that when I did my first version and it was really appalling. So, you know, I, I sat down when it was all done, when it was printed, when it was on Kindle, and even before that, when it was being printed and I read it. And even I would dip in and read paragraphs here or pages there. And I went, you know, this is good. So I was happy with it. And most did you people find, who've read it. Did, did you find that cathartic at the end? I do you know what? I I I I found it emotional at the end. Now I'm not going to give the the end no. away, but uh, I I'd be very not hard, but I think I've become inured to things because I've been a journalist for almost thirty years, and I've done crime reporting full time really for twenty two years. But it was you know you were involved. I was involved in it before that, so I've seen a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. Um, I, I actually. You know, there's a, the, the, the hero is a fellow called John, John Lazarus, who's a, a cop in Dublin and he's damaged. But I think and there's but I think by the end, he 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 finds himself and, you know, there's uh, maybe it was subconscious, but 
the start of the book is he's in the dark and at night driving to somewhere and the end of the book it's sunlight and I think he's gone through that journey and I went through the journey with him obviously so I, I found it quite emotional actually and just on the you you mentioned obviously John Lazarus is is the key. I've I've seen interviews where you've spoken about and you've spoken yourself about the the people who you've based you've poured your life experience into some people you've met. But what I find kind of um, interesting is there's a an admiration for the 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 I'm going to say the the hodgepodge of 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 characters and values that pour into these characters mm. so you know it's not one person it's 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 several people parts different character traits and there's an admiration that comes across in the writing is that fair yes but even i mean look it's it's it, the, the central character is this fellow john lazarus and he works in a sex crimes unit and he purposely went into a sex crimes unit because his own sister was kidnapped and murdered and he's never really gotten over that so he's as I say in the book you know he's trying to solve the one crime that he can't or protect the one person that he couldn't protect so he really goes into there's a world of darkness out there Tony that you and I don't have to see I've seen glimpses of it but there are professional guardy and there are cops all over the world who have to go into this you know the child protection the work on uh, you know uh, online crime pedophilia that sort of stuff and I've known a couple of them who've gone into it and I've always really, really admired what they did. So um, about the, the, the genesis of the Lazarus character, I'll just tell you very briefly. In 2008, I went over to Interpol in France. There's a, I was the detective sergeant called Mick Moran, who is, was based in Dublin and he got seconded over there. And in 2007, he was involved in a big operation. There was a man, uh, turned out to be a Canadian man, who had put videos and pictures of himself abusing children in the Far East. Turned out to be Vietnam. And he had swirled his face. So he was abusing children. He had swirled his face so he couldn't be identified. So Interpol with Mick Moran, they did this big worldwide operation and the, the German police were involved and they unswirled his face and they got who he was. And Mick with the, uh, you know, Vietnamese police and others tracked him down and he's, he's in prison and he's done several, he's been done for several offences. I've followed his career, if that's what you want to call it. He has been confined guilty several times since then. So we went over and we interviewed Mick about this and he he, he really is, he's, you know, he led or coordinated the first big anti, it's called child pornography. I call it child sexual abuse material. It's legally known as child pornography, but I think that's Which a is the, it, it is it is the worst term. And I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, like, yeah. like Caroline West of Glow West podcast would, mm. would have would have educated me on that a couple of years ago. And I think we do need to move that term on. But yeah, I, but you this this. the OK. Let's 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 talk the book then. Um, the the book is obviously Dublin based. It's kind of um, you know you're there's a staccato to how it's written. That kind yes, of I, 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 I just want to finish this story about Mick Moran because it brings it, it it's why I developed the character right. So we went over and we interviewed him, and and, and, I'll, and I'll talk about the book. We interviewed him, and I was sitting there, and he had these huge big earphones in his office, and I was going, "What's the story?" Now this was they were really really big, and I said, "Mick, what's the story with the earphones?" And he said. Oh, I wear these when I'm examining child sexual abuse material videos so nobody else can hear the children's or the baby screams, right? And I went, Jesus Christ. So that was 2008. And I knew, I always wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to write fiction. I always wanted to write a realistic crime, piece of crime fiction. So I went, right, how can I ignore this? Now, it took me a long time. So yes, it, I eventually, I actually, the catalyst, if I'm being honest, for cov- for writing this book was the Green Dwyer trial. Because yeah. I call it Black Light. And for me, that's a, I don't know if you want to call it evil or, you know, something in you dies or there's a darkness in you or a lack of empathy. But I was just really repelled and fascinated by Dwyer because here he is, mild-mannered architect, slightly goofy hobby. He, you know, he does model planes. And his third life is he's, he's a, a monster and a sexual sadist who likes mm. 
de degrading women. And I just couldn't get, I couldn't really fit in, I couldn't really compute how, how can he live this normal life when he has this hidden life? In fact, you know, one thing that really got to me is they had one computer in the house. So he would log in under his name and his poor wife would log in under another. He would log in under his and you'd have all the really terrible gore videos, some of which we saw, and videos of him involving BDSM and all that sort of stuff and pretending to stab women, all that sort of stuff. Yet his, he would log out and his poor wife, wife or family members would log on. It would be a normal computer. So mm. he literally had it hidden. So that fascinated me. So that and the whole thing about Mick Moore and I started writing, I have to write about this. So the, the, I st the basic premise was it was... I wanted to write a story about the weak, or the strong, damaging the weak, and that is usually in sex crime. Mm -hmm. And and I did, I just basically developed this story, and I wanted to have a gangland element. But the the real, you know, the the fountain or the font or the, the tributary of this was I wanted to know how guards who deal with sex crimes cope with it. And I've spoken to lots of them, and they all say the same thing. What do they say? They say, you know what, Mick? You're. I mean, I remember one. He said, and and I actually put this in the book. He was telling me about watching, uh, examining one video. Uh, it was of a child and it looked like his child. And he said the hair stood up in the back of his neck. Mm. And I sort of have that. There's a scene where Lazarus is talking about something yeah. and the hair stand up in the back of his neck. Right. And I put it. So, but what the guards say to me is, Mick, I know you're focusing on this. I know it's horrible, but every guard in the country has seen horrible things. They go to car crashes. They deal with domestic violence. They deal with murders. They deal with drownings. They deal with everything. So, you know, it, and even... You know, this is a few days after the Krishna tragedy. What really struck me was there, you know, the community guards were the first in the scene and they were the ones who were using their bare hands to try and rescue people. They're the same people who stop you at checkpoints and go, uh, Tony, where's your tax or my NCTs? You know, there's a problem. I didn't realise my NCTs. I have to get that fixed today. You've got your problem with your NCT there, Mick. They're the same people. So we see them when they're front facing, it's them stopping us and going, oh, I have to get penalty points here, big lad. But they also do the horrible stuff, which nobody really talks about. Yeah, I know. Well... <laughs> Again, this is that this wasn't didn't didn't intend to bring it up, but I did did think that going through this the mental health aspect of the guards, and I know, um, unfortunately, my 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 former Tortoise colleague, uh, Dr. Vicky Conway, is no longer with us, and she had covered that in a couple of it's both in Ireland and in the UK about the lack of mental health services for Guardi on the front line, and and had spoken to experts about the requirements and how they weren't being met, Nick. That's the truth, mm -hmm. and and you know the, the the gap there in the in those services. I mean, uh, and Vicky would been would have been no fan of uh, of of, of policing in, in in its in in you know she'd have been vociferous critic critic. That's fair to say, but she would also have spoken up very very unequivocally about the lack of supports there. Can I can I go on to the the actual um, gangland aspect of it, if you don't mind, because this is. Um, this is kind of the 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 piece where we see the those those people who are the second hand victims and third hand victims and that's something that that you know okay we maybe we maybe hear about a little bit but you try to develop that in the book as well to get, to put a bit of context on some of the, the 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 faces and names that you try to paint a little bit of character and backstory for them uh, uh, yeah i mean one one of the most important characters for me you see look there are sex workers in this book, right? And everything I've tried to write has been realistic, right? So, I, you know, what was in my head, there, there is one sex worker that I'm talking about. And what was in my head in this, when I was writing her character was, do you remember that horrible film, Pretty Woman, which romanticized sex work, right? And 
I, I've spoken to lots of, you've spoken to lots of sex workers. I've spoken to lots of sex workers and a lot of them have been brutalized and traumatized. So I wanted to give her a backstory and it's not one, it's not a good story. Sex workers are raped, they're beaten, they're, they're robbed, all that sort of thing. And those things happen there. But there was one of the most important characters for me in this was a quite a young character and he plays quite a small role in it. There's a, there's a, a, a gang boss uh, called O'Hara, but he has a, a young fellow with him. And he's very skinny and there's a search. He has a nice watch on him. He has a nice watch, right? And the watch is too big on him and it falls down his arm. Now, I put that young fella in specifically because there are young kids who have been drawn into violence. There are young kids, and specifically the watch, because, you know, they see gangsters walking around like O'Hara who are acting birdie big bollocks. And they're young fellas who, they've fallen through the cracks. They've fallen through the cracks or whatever. And they get drawn into this. Now, there is a bit of an ending for the young fella. I would imagine that his life of crime is probably over but, uh, when it, it develops. But, you know, I, I wanted to write a book and a character. Everybody has a backstory. I've found in my career, everybody has a backstory. Can, can, right? I push so in, evil. Can, can I push in on that, though? Here's the thing. And I, you're going to, this is not a criticism. This is actually my, my reading of your book was that, oh, this is going to be a series. And I felt, yeah, but I felt that quite early. Yes. And, and my point being, when I say that, and you particularly around the character, like that young man, Mm. I I find that, that that's, that some of those aspects are, 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 would be like, I'd like to know more about some of that as well. Yes. About, about, the, about the future plans? No, just more about the actual... the the. So I got, you're going to laugh at me. But if you remember the success of The Wire was, it started yes. with, the, with with the first season of covering yes. these, these homicide detectives. Then it showed the on-street aspects of it and the poverty that causes people to, to feel like they have no choices. There's a, there is that kind of... There, you've tried to blend both of those, but there's there's a lot more to be told on some of yeah, those aspects. Yes, yes, that and that's true. Um, my next, it is going to be a series, but it's going to be through the eyes of John Lazarus, right? I, I as I was saying, I, I did a, a version of my of the book before, and it's it's really different. It, uh, without getting too technical and too boring, it was seen through the eyes of lots of different people. So uh, Lucy Fowler, the sex worker, she played a bit. There were scenes that. She was involved in directly, it was her role and, you know, various other people. So I, somebody looked at it and an agent, the big top agent looked at it and said, look, Mick, what you need to do is you need to make it one person and you need to make it a hero. So, but what, what I've tried to do is to try to get past the superface and try to give various characters depth. Now, so the next book is about John Lazarus, but uh, without giving any, other people will make a comeback. I'll put it that way. So it's not as if, he goes wham bam, thank you, ma'am, and he solves the crime. Look, I mean, at the end, there's there's a victim of sex abuse, and you maybe you might remember at the end that there's a bursary. Mm. He gets his family to do a bursary, so you know he's he's invested in people. He because I've you know guards I know are invested in victims, and they do one of the things I always remember, and it's amazing the things that you remember when you're writing a book. Uh, I remember there's a victim, uh, a man broke into a place and sexually assaulted two young women. It was a terrifying ordeal. And I was at the court case. And one of the victims afterwards, there was a detective sergeant. He later got promoted. There was a detective sergeant in charge of the case. And afterwards, she came up and she just gave him a big, massive bear hug. And that's just talking about the relationship that we don't see. So that's one of the now, things I was now, thinking about. I have to push in and say some a lot of sex workers have a negative experience of, of the guardian. Oh, no, no, she wasn't a sex worker. She was a victim of sexual assault. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, oh, no, of course. I know, no, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, 100%. 
I, I mean, there is tension. I mean, look, you know, in one scene, the guards go to sex workers for help, and mm. you can see that there is animosity from mm. the, the people, and they're saying, "Well, you don't protect us. Why are you coming to us now?" When mm. we, we, like, like we could we could talk about which model we have and which works, oh, yeah. the Nordic I mean, look, or, or you know, and what, what we've looks, done. Yeah. That's not, but that's not necessarily the frontline guard's responsibility. That that's above their pay grade for the most yes. part, and that's and that's a fair comment. But again, it, it would be remiss of me to say that you know the the that there is there is not a, a t- tension and animosity there. That absolutely is. Can I can I just go back to then? The idea that um, when you're writing it, how much of it did you did you feel like um, has to sound less like a reporter and more like uh, like like that crime fiction writer? All of it. I I started off writing it, and if I'm being honest, the first draft or the first version was written by was, was a piece of journalism. Okay, so for example. And it was pointed out to me, and pointed out to me when I. So what you do is you send you send off the book, you send off the first three chapters to agents, and then an agent goes, "Yes, we'll take this," and they try and get you publishing date, right? But the agents say no, right? And I sent it off to the first one. I thought I was the dog's bollocks, and he came back, and he's and thank God he came back, and he said, "This is crap, this is crap, and this is crap." It's a good idea, but this is crap. And I went, "Me?" Because it was the first knockback I'd had in my writing career. Because from day one, I'd say maybe within a month of me starting journalism in '93. I knew I was good at it. I just knew I was good at it. And I knew I could bash out 500 words in 10 minutes, no problem. I've written several non-fiction books, but this was, it was a real big setback for me for people to criticize something I'd written. So I had to sit back and I had to go and learn that. So I, after about six months, I picked it up again. I went, you know what? That fella's completely right. There's no characterization. There's no character arc. There's too much exposition. All this sort of stuff that I didn't really understand. And I had to go and really study how to learn that. And I had to learn how to write fiction. So, you know, like say, even descriptions. When I write a piece about Daniel Kinnan, I don't say what well, he's 45. I just give his age, but I don't say, well, here's what he looks like. Mm. So, of course, we have photographs. That's what photographs and videos are for, right? So I had to learn even powers of description, all that sort of stuff. So really, it was, I had to start again in learning how to write. So I tried to move, I, you have to move away from journalism. I think that's a mistake that I made, and I presume a lot of journalists who think they can write fiction do. I mean, somebody, I read somebody's book a while ago and it reminded me of my first version because there was no characterization. There was no character arc. There well, was, if anything there... else now, like you've opened yourself up to criticism of being too descriptive because there is one, one turn you make and I know you can't make that turn. You Which know? one? I know, no, but I said, but he said, I, yes, I know, but, but I did say because fuck it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I did because like, he's a cop. And I, I just, I just, I go, no, you can't make that turn. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Actually, Tony, I'll tell you, I, I agonized over that. There, there'd be lots of, and I came up with, they're cops, and they can if they need to. Yeah, and he did right. Yeah. It's the one there on. Is it Frederick Street? But no, there was there was one there was one that involved around Home Farm Road, I think, where you were you were as well, because you've every, a lot of it based around Griffith Griffith yes. Park. Yes, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm very familiar with the with the area, and I said, no way, not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a bad boy, so he's allowed to do it. But yeah. I, yeah, but that's actually so. Every paragraph I wrote. From whatever spec perspective, can I can I pick on you for something? Oh can God! I, so so you, no no no. How many languages do you speak, Mick? Uh, uh, including English. Yeah, go on. English, French, English, Italian, French, Spanish, and I'm studying Arabic. Yeah. So so this obviously uh, um, Lazarus himself is, is Italian, and you and you kind of you play all the hits, don't you? One of the things I did, I read or I studied about writing is you have to put yourself into the book. 
So I decided the first version of the book was a failure, right? And I decided, okay, I am not going to leave anything on this on the pitch. I'm going to leave everything there. I'm going to throw everything at this, right? And I, I was always looking at the car- the, th- the first version of the character was an Irish 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 cop, right? Mm. And I thought, you know, I I I quite liked I, I quite liked the idea of, of somebody being coming from the outside, right, and being an outsider, which is do you know why? Being totally honest, I'm an outsider. I'm an outsider in journalism. I have no, you know, I'm a wee working class fella from North Belfast, right? Mm. So I had no links to any journal. I just wanted to be a journalist when I was a kid. And I had nothing. So I didn't have anybody who could ring up and say, listen, will you give O'Toole a wee trial here, whatever, right? But I'm also an outsider down here, right? I'm an already come down here. And and also, without getting really deep, we moved around. We were a lot, a lot when we were kids. Uh, we could put out of our house in 72, after a murder, but in my dad, right? And we and we we had to get out of a place, right? And I've never felt rooted. The most I, I feel rooted where I'm living now, but the place where I feel most rooted is actually Italy, because I studied Italian for ten years and I lived there for a year. And every time I go go to Italy, I think, "Geez, I'm back home," right? But I wanted just that feeling of being uh, being part of it, but being outside, because that's what I feel in Dublin. Yeah, no, it, it, that. That's why I wasn't. I wasn't picking on you, but I just no, know no, a little. No. I know a little bit about you, so I knew that was kind of the, that's that part. But do I do? Can I make one thing then? When I look at it, though, as the book then evolved, did you feel the more you put out, the more you put into it, actually, the more it opened up to other things as well? Because it actually the pace picks up. It starts fast, but the pace bloody picks up as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You see, look, but it's not. Uh, there is a lot of action in it, but. You know, I was just saying earlier, there are two shooting incidents in it. Now, for a, a tabloid crime reporter who has covered this for, for 25 years, that's not bad. There's not that. There's a couple of fights. You know, there, there is action. But look, I tried to make it. This is going to sound really artistic stuff, right? The first version of this book, I denied my reality as a writer. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm saying that. In other words, I have a natural writing style, right, which is fast on the eye. When you work for a tabloid paper, you, you make it fast. You, you know, you use dashes a lot because dashes are the only piece of punctuation to make the eye go quicker. Tom is, everything else slows you down. So I, you know, so it's like enjambema, you call it, right, in poetry, where it's really pa- fast paced. And I wrote the first version of it. I'm not going to say I wanted to be right like an Irish Times, but I, I, I didn't, ex- I tried to hide my natural writing style and it was terrible. Right, so when I just clicked and I said, "Right, I'm going to write it fast paced because life. I write fast paced well, and everything's fast paced." That, so that's the, that's the staccato I refer to. That's well, the, yes, yes. In my, in my when I look at it, my eye it goes boom, 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 boom. Yes, and yeah, So there's that, nice meter to it. Yeah, and, and I, like again, it, it's I, I think that's that's where that's where the I could almost that's where he's going. Okay, this is going somewhere, and it's going to go beyond the end of it. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the book, and I'm nearly halfway through this, and I know there's more beyond yeah. this storyline. So so that listen, um, just I don't obviously we're not going to do spoilers. We're not going to do any anything else like this. Though, have you have you found though? Like I don't know, like you're saying, twenty three years in in crime reporting has has it been well received by by your peers and by maybe the people who who uh, who see themselves in it? Yes, look, there's a lot of journalism in this, right? And I can tell you, nobody reading this, no journalist colleague of mine reading this, can go, "Oh, that doesn't happen." Because Tony, I'll let you in a secret, right? There, and I was talking to colleagues about this. Most. Crime fiction, for some reason, journalism has makes a, 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 an appearance in a lot of novels, right? And most of it's crap. Most of it doesn't re- is not representative of reality, right? It just doesn't. Now, and I was I was really interested, in this, and I was asking the lads. So I know I would know most all the crime cards and be 
Hollywood with some more than others, right? But I was asking them, I said, look, lads, have any writers or screenwriters or playwrights, have they ever contacted you for technical advice? You were a banker. You know, I'm sure you look at banking. You know, it drives, bank it drives me mad. Right. right. Well, <laughs> no, but here's the thing, Tony, right? Nobody, one person in X amount of years has, I, I asked my, I asked Connor Lally. Connor Lally was approached once by an English writer about a technical thing. I was approached once by Fair City, right? And I was reading, I read all these novels and there's journalists in it. And it bears no, and photographers, photographers go absolutely belubas when they see, even in TV, because it's just ridiculous, right? So I was going, we're all on Twitter. Well, all our DMs are open. Why does nobody ever ask me? So I can tell you everything that happened, at, you know, like uh, uh, without a spoiler, there's just a, a place at the start where guards, a guy, Lazarus gets into a shouting match with two journalists, right? That happened to me. Now, you know, he, there is a, an incident, something happens, but that may be a bit extreme. But the rest of it, when they're shouting at each other and going about G-Sock and all this, that's me. Or there's another scene later on where Lazarus goes in and tries to get, the reporters tout over something. I wrote that based on the 25 times that's happened to me. Mm. Uh, you know, you come in, you give them a cup of tea, you offer them biscuits, and then you say, no comment, no comment, no comment. And they lose their head and we go, no comment. That's my mm. life. So I have put myself as a crime reporter in there, right? And look, I, I know people are asking me, is the story based on real life? It is and it isn't, right? It's based, every word and every page of that book is from my career. It's a product of my head. Right. Mm. It's all fiction. It's all a product of my head. But my head is filled with things I've seen in 25 years. Yeah. So I've tried to make it as realistic as I can. And it is authentic. Yeah. Well, look, I, 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 we will just tell people, go pick it up. You know, you, did can, you like it. I did. Absolutely. Yeah. I did. I look, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely honest. As I said, I, I was looking at it and it's, uh, I kind of have this beautiful problem with me. You're talking about Griffith Park, where a lot yeah, of stuff happens. Yeah. You look about the area. Make it's it's four hundred meters from my door here. Oh, I know, I know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, 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 all of that kind of. Then you're thinking, you know, um, and then down to sort of Ballybock is where you, yeah, depict, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and you're thinking, right, you know. So I knew, I know all the areas, and and part of me now, as I said, I suppose if if it's one thing, part of me wants to see that again. Here comes my here comes my lefty leaning um liberal uh overwoke as you as you might call me guy want want to know the choices that people make to help them fall into those into those pathways. And that's the kind of thing that they're so so I, I I sat back and I looked at some of those things. And I know, I know you as an individual, you 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 think of those things. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so that's the kind of that's I suppose if I had that one challenge for you, it's that it's that kind of area, you know. I, but I really enjoyed the book and I would recommend people get it. Is can you tell me now where is it available to buy? It, and as the cliche goes, good and bad bookshops and it's on Kindle and Kobo and Google Play. Yeah, it's everywhere. So, 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 so uh, listen, folks, if independent bookshops, if they're available to you. Yeah. Okay. I and actually, it, you know what? I, I, I went and bought it myself from an independent bookshop because I wanted yeah. to give them the custom. So yeah. I, I did that. So and and that would online. be, and that would be my get. Look, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to keep you much longer, but I do want to ask you just, just briefly about the actual day job. Things have, um, the last time we've spoken, you know, and I know you continuously cover events and how, how things have been going on for the Kinahin cartel, the changes that have happened. And then we see, uh, Jonathan Dowdle taking, going into witness protection and things are moving there. It does appear 
that we may have a date for the for the trial, um, uh, and that that Jerry Hutch may find himself in a world of trouble that that we didn't think was going to to evolve, Mick. And I'm not going to ask you to speculate. I know you're very clear on what's sub Judas and what's not. Um, but but can we just can we can I ask you? Is is there a sense that we are approaching a, a, a at least, if not something else, a conclusion to this chapter? Uh, possibly. Right. I mean, look, Mr. Justice Tony Hunt, who usually presides over the Special Criminal Court, effectively said judges cannot be prejudiced. Right. There's no jury in the in the Jerry Hutch trial. Mm-hmm. I'm still w- wary of, and I know you are as well. Look. It, it, it's a very, very, Jonathan Dowdle giving evidence is a very, very, very significant development. We, you know, there, there will be other evidence. I presume there will be other evidence, but, you know, Jonathan Dowdle is very, very significant. I'll put it that way. So I think I agree with you. I think Mr. Hutch is is in a world of, of trouble now. But look, who knows what will happen? And it's not for us to say it is for the yeah. esteemed judges. But look, it's a serious development, put it that way. And then the last thing on that, obviously, is we've we've known about the the problems encountered by the Kinahan cartel since the American authorities got involved, and we've seen you know reports yourself and and your colleagues talking about where they are in the world, what they're at. It's like Teresa Teresa Lowe, where in the world? Um, yeah. But we but at the same time, if we could put park that speculation, the the fear is, and I think it's someone you'd know this. That anytime any of these gangs, it's like a hydra. Anytime something falls away, the next one springs up. If you think of uh, the, the gang, the Gilligan gang, Gilligan was charged with the murder of Veronica Kearney, he was acquitted, but it was his gang that killed Veronica Kearney. And he was a very significant, I mean, Veronica Kearney went after him because he was a very significant cannabis importer at the time, right? In the early to mid 1990s. So his gang was dismantled. Right. Mick Moran was actually involved in that investigation. Right. Uh, so his guy, that gang was dismantled. And after that, what happened? There was these young kids called the Glennons. Then there were the Westies, Sogan Coates. Now we have the Kennings. Right. And I can tell you, there are people jockeying as we speak to take over because there's too much money. They make millions from this, especially cocaine. Cocaine's a massive market in Ireland. Well, and it's actually Cannabis is actually the biggest drug in Ireland. Then cocaine. Then well, uh, we, we we know where we well we know where I believe we should be moving well, on yeah, cannabis. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I I've said the same thing to cops. Some cops agree with me, some don't. But that's fine. That's you know we're we're, we're mere chattels. But did, did, uh, yes, there will be people coming through. Yeah, and and I suppose uh, here's a political question. You don't like politics very much, but did you did you did you see um, the new Colombian president Gustavo Petro's address of the UN a few weeks ago? No, what, what did you say? he brilliantly spoke about the end of the war on drugs and that how Western societies use their product to fill the meaningless vacuum um, that that consumerism does in their hearts and that they need to love more and not consume as much. Uh, and he talked about the end and said that basically. The end, war of drugs has failed. And this is a Colombian president talking about this, saying that we need to move to some sort of model whereby uh, we're not destroying parts of the Amazon to make this product, which is, you know, been consumed in places like Manhattan and Mulhuddard, you know, and it was I thought it was a brilliant speech, but it, it, it shows that maybe, you know, the idea of this, this thing, maybe maybe it's further along than we think, Mick. Tony, I've said this all along. I've said it, I said it on the Late Late Show. It's a health problem, right? When the guards are involved, society has failed. That makes me sound like a Tony Groves pinko. But <laughs> I say this all the time. When the guards are involved, society has failed. Something has gone wrong. With that young fella in my book, something went wrong. It, the guards are the ultimate stick and plaster. 
So, and the guards will say this themselves, they're everybody's social worker, they're the 999 people. It's, we need to stop the guards getting involved. And that's, you know, it's too late for society, I think, when the guards are involved in many things. I've said that lots of times. Mick O'Toole, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me again today. Listen, folks, get out and buy the book. The link is in the bio, but do check the independent bookshops that are close to you. That, 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 that's, that's always better. Uh, and we are back. Oh, we have a very interesting story about a young man um, who was himself homeless and has just completed his master's and he's working in one of the organizations that famously Michael D. Higgins made his speech about housing and uh, this gentleman now is, is is working there. So I'm looking forward to him telling his story. Uh, talk to you all very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.